You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. All right, we're live, folks. You ready? Well, we're not live. We're recording. <laughs> Nobody's watching this but us. So uh, I te- well, technically, we're not we're not live. But uh, Shank, we made it to another week. We um, we've gotten quite a few suggestions on some topics for future episodes. So, um, and we continually get questions, or I guess requests, to do something on traditions. I'm a little surprised at that, given our audience, but <laughs> maybe we'll, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't think they'd be into traditions, but maybe they, I guess I'm wrong about that. So we may, we may do something on traditions soon. Um, but anyway, we've got a great guest today. She, uh, comes from a long ways. We're not sure where that's at, but, uh, Jindy, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's good to see you, Wayne. Yep, it's good to be here. Good to be seen. As I say, there's some shrapnel right there. There you go. Hair's looking good. Yep, hair's fly away. It's a little off today, but it's okay. I think this headset's got something to do with the smush down. <laughs> it's blocking your connection to God. Yeah. It is. The bigger the hair, the closer to God. That's right. That's right. That's why I feel a little off today, maybe. Could be. Yeah. It could be it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jen. Um, I'm Jennifer, alcoholic. My sobriety date's January 12th of 1992. Um, and uh, I got sober um, when I was really young, uh, right before my 15th birthday. And never did I think that I would end up in Alcoholics Anonymous at 14 years old and actually staying sober one day at a time. Um, My first treatment center was when I was 13. And what I learned in treatment is, you know, drugs are bad, just say no, but I don't have a problem with alcohol. And, um, you know, alcohol is a liquid. It's like water. I mean, that's really how my perspective, like I remember having this very clear, distinctive thought that it's just like water. It's a liquid. There's no way that has power and control over my life. And, you know, I got out of rehab and proceeded to get drunk with everybody I was in treatment with. And, <laughs> you know, that seemed like the next right thing to do because I wasn't an alcoholic. And, you know, one of my big things was that I meant to get drunk every time that I drank, drank, which constituted that I did not have a problem and I was not powerless because I meant to do what I was doing. And, Um, What would proceed to happen from that day until the day that I came to Alcoholics Anonymous was that I just drank, you know, I I drank the way that I drank, which was every day, all day. First thing when I woke up, I drank vodka um, until, you know, I passed out or um, something stopped me. And um, what happened through the course of that time is that at some point in time, alcohol stopped working and it was, you know, probably a a month, two months before, um, I I really hit my bottom, but that last month was so painful because what alcohol gave me the ability to do was not care about what you thought about me. It gave me the ability to quiet the insanity that was going on in my head. And, 
you know, people would say hurtful or mean things and I could hear them in my ears, but I didn't hear them in my heart. And that was the power of what alcohol relieved me. And when that stopped working, it felt like the pain of the world was literally going to kill me. And I, I felt like my skin was coming off every day. And um, I proceeded during that time period to, um, I mean, I, I have very few recollections of that time period, really the last year and a half of my drinking. I don't remember a whole lot. And um, and I got to this place that um, the pain of life felt like it was going to kill me. And, you know, one of the things that that I was told when I got sober was that um, how we feel won't kill us. And I remember just thinking, y'all are crazy because it literally <laughs> felt like the pain of the world was going to just just kill me. And, um, you know, that night uh, before my anniversary of January 12th, I was in my room. I was completely intoxicated. I was sitting against my door and you know, this had been going on for days of this, um, uncomfortableness, irritable, restless, discontent feeling, um, that I couldn't get away from no matter how much I drank, I couldn't get drunk enough. I couldn't experience the relief that alcohol had previously given me. And, um, and, and the pain was so bad that, and, and what I believe happened really, you know, looking back on it now, as I believed a a spiritual experience happened, you know, um, that for whatever reason in that moment, I was able to see my life for the truth, you know, because months before had you asked me about what was wrong, I would have blamed it on everything in my life. You, You know, it was that, you know, my dad didn't love me and, you know, my mom wasn't there and, and all of these things, it was everybody's fault. The abuse that I went through as a child, it was all of these things that were the reason I was the way that I was. But for whatever reason in that moment, I knew that the world would be better off without me. And based upon how I was living my life, there was nothing short of the truth of that. You know, I didn't bring anything good to any situation. I, um, was violent. I was angry and, um, I was non-existent in my family or in anybody's lives. And for whatever reason, I I knew that truth and the pain of that um, moment and that understanding drove me to a place that I didn't even believe in, right? Like I didn't believe in a higher power. I didn't believe in God, but I was in so much pain that I was willing to say a prayer. And that prayer was, if there's anything out there, don't let me wake up tomorrow. You know, I just wanted to die because I knew the world would be better without me. Um, it wasn't really the self-pitying, self-loathing. And what I believe happened was that, you know, my ego was gone, which it takes a lot for my ego to be smashed, you know, because my ego kept me, it kept me with a plan all the time. I always had a plan. I was always going to figure it out. But yeah. in that moment, I didn't have a plan. I had no self-esteem. I was, you know, living in a way of which, um, but like my grandparents who had values and had instilled those in us, all of that was non-existent. And um, I was, you know, completely inappropriate in, in every aspect of my life. And for whatever reason, I was willing to say that prayer because that pain was so great. And and, and I asked that whatever was out there to to make my heart stop beating and, and not let me wake up. I didn't want help because I really didn't identify that the problem was alcohol. I just thought there was something innately broken within me and that um, I just needed to be gone because I couldn't, I I had no solution. And 
The next day I got a phone call from a girl I'd been in rehab with. And about three months prior to this, she was the only girlfriend I ever had because, you know, I always ran around with my brother and his friends. I really didn't have any girlfriends. And I'd met this girl in rehab and she was super cool and very edgy and just a super cool personality. And three months before she said, I'm not going to continue to watch you kill yourself with alcohol. And not once did I think, man, maybe I should slow down. Maybe I should quit drinking. I was like, bye, Abby. You know, I just sent her on her way. I mean, it was, there was no thought involved. And, um, I hadn't talked to her in months and and she called me on January 12th of, of 92. And she asked me if I wanted to go to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was like, no, you know, I mean, I did not want to do that. Right. Like I'd been forced to go to those in rehab. It was a bunch of old people and, you know, like, <clears throat> but the the thing that was the blessing and, and why I say this spiritual experience had occurred was because I didn't have fight left. And because that fight wasn't there, I conceded. And and I, I went to that meeting with her and I walked into the Back to Basics group of um, Alcoholics Anonymous in Arlington, Texas. It was held in a little trailer and, you know, I walked into that group and it was filled with smoke and you couldn't see across the other side. It was a single wide. It wasn't even double wide, you know, so it was <laughs> nice. really smoky and yellow walls, you know, you could write your name on the wall with the nicotine and, um, you know, everybody in that meeting was, you know, like, I mean, when you're 14, everybody's old, but <laughs> they were, um, you know, they were old as dirt and had been sober since God. I had nothing mm. in common with these people. And, um, you know, and I walked into that meeting and and I was fortunate that I was um, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous in a way that, you know, not everybody's uh, experience is. And, and they didn't treat me like a young person. I mean, half my head was shaved. I had combat boots on, black lips, black eyes, white face. Um, I was not an attractive, I mean, I'm like one of those, I was like one of those punk rock girls that like you see and you're like, oh my God, that's scary. Like who's going to go up to the scary person and ask them how their day was, but (laughs) they were really unaffected by me. They treated me like an alcoholic in need of help. And they didn't tell me where the coffee was. They brought a cup of coffee and sat it in front of me and, and they, you know, shared their experience, strength and hope. And I don't remember a lot about that meeting. I know that I cried the entire meeting, you know, and I ended up getting, in Texas, they're silver chips, but most places they're white chips now. Um, but I, I picked up that surrender chip and I don't even know why I did that because it wasn't, there was never this recognition, like I'm alcoholic and I need help. I mean, I really thought something was just broken and, and defective in me. And, um, but I was hopeless and what I received in Alcoholics Anonymous was hope that night. And, and that's what kept me coming back. And, and that hope that I received, a lot of that had to do with the kindness that was extended to me. And right. um, that kindness is kind of what kept me coming back. So uh, so nobody said, uh, hey, we spilled more liquor than you drank. <laughs> that was not my experience. You didn't get any of that not. clubhouse Joe or anything like that. Yeah, I've heard that a lot through the years. And I, I'm always sure that that's not my experience, you know. And yeah. my experience with old timers in general just hasn't been that, you know. I actually, it wasn't until I was sober, probably 10 or 15 years that I um, ever experienced kind of any of that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. That's yeah. not everybody. I don't experience. really think old timers say that. I think it's old people. Like, I don't even really know that they have that much more time than me, but they always say it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. 
Oh my goodness! Jen, thanks for the intro so much. there. We've gotten here quicker. That's right. Well, that's I wasn't spilling. Sloppy drunks is what they mm-hmm. are. <laughs> What's the topic today, Shane? Today's topic is many paths to spirituality. Um, so there is a pamphlet by this name. It actually has a pretty good quote from Bill W. Uh, from the Grapevine in 1965. I really liked this when I read it. I mean, I was kind of, I don't know. I guess I haven't read all the pamphlets. I've probably read most of them. But it says, let us not, therefore, pressure anyone with our individual or even our collective views. Let us instead accord each other the respect and love that is due to every human being as he tries to make his way toward the light. Let us always try to be inclusive rather than exclusive. Let us remember that each alcoholic among us is a member of AA so long as he or she declares. So the name of this podcast really could be contempt prior to investigation, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think mainly just, you know, kind of talking about higher power, God, whatever you may choose to call it, and that there are many paths to get there. Yeah. Jindy, what's your experience with that? Man, it it is long, wide, and deep, right? Like when I got here, I was, uh, you know, I I was given the suggestion, you know, the things you do every day, you know, get on your knees and ask your higher power to help you stay sober. I said, I don't believe in God. They said, I didn't ask if you believed in God. I just told you to get down on your knees and ask your higher power for help not picking up a drink. And I was like, that makes no sense to me. And, um, (laughs) And and they were okay with that, you know. Um, they said just do the physical action, take your cigarettes, put them under the bed to remind yourself to ask your higher power to help you not. And they were like, Your higher power can be a doorknob. And I remember oh, oh, hold on a minute now. <laughs> your cigarettes. Put, I love that. I, I like this. So I've never heard that. Put your cigarette normally it's put your shoes under the bed. So put your cigarettes under the bed. What did you go for first thing in the morning? I can get down with that. I can get down with that. I can't get down. Well, what I what I tell my girls now is I say, put your cell phone under your bed because you know that's the last thing you look at at night, and it's the first thing you go for in the morning <laughs> if you don't smoke cigarettes. <sighs> yeah, put your it, it, but no I, I'll tell you, it was super helpful because that was the only thing that helped me to remember. I mean, I didn't pray. It was not part of my routine. I didn't have a routine in all fairness. I mean, my routine was, you know, getting liquor in my body right when my eyeballs would open. So, you know, going for those cigarettes uh, was the next best thing. And um, and so I would I would literally I'd throw them underneath the bed at night. And then when I'd wake up, I'd 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 get up to get my cigarettes and I'd get on my knees and I'd be like, this is so stupid. If there's anything out there, help. Like that literally was my prayer. And, and because I just, I mean, I was 90 days sober and my grandmother had this Baptist minister or something come over to the house. And I basically told him what I I thought of his book and what he could do with it. And, um, (laughs) you know, that's who I was when I got here. I would, um, I remember they had these crystals and I would get these crystals and I would be like praying to these crystals and I'd be looking at them to see like, are they glowing? Like, (laughs) you know, I did all kinds of weird stuff. And, and I'll tell you, you know, my path has been, uh, I've done a lot of different things. I still continue to do all, you know, like I'm open to whatever. And I mean, I've got, 
you know, sage and dream catchers all in the house. I got crosses. I mean, I got, I got it all right. Like I got rosaries. I have all of this. I converted to the Catholic church when I was, I don't know, 10, 12 years sober. Um, I'm not a active practicing Catholic that just doesn't resonate with me, but you know, I was always open to, um, what the old timer suggested. And I, I love in the, uh, spiritual appendices in the back when it talks about, uh, on the spiritual experience and and that for me as long as I'm coming to the group coming to the people of Alcoholics Anonymous for a s- solution that is a spiritual experience I mean essentially you know when you break down those words and you dissect them um, it really is is just a matter of me being open to consider that there's an option other than Jennifer's plan because my ego is always involved in that plan and and I was fortunate enough those first like you know, 30, 60, 90 days, my ego was demolished. And I was just, I was so broken and willing to do the unthinkable pray, right? Like essentially (laughs) that's the worst thing that you could ask me as a human to do for a solution is to pray. I mean, I just think it's the most ridiculous thing. It's hoo-ha stuff, like, you know, wah-wah or whatever. Like, it was just so weird, which is kind of funny that I was, like, praying to crystals, right? Like, <laughs> but whatever, you know? Um, But, you know, my old guys were, I again, I was so fortunate in the people that I came in contact with when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous because they, uh, they were, they were really about what our principles are about, about allowing the alcoholic the freedom to um, determine whatever that is, you know, and, and really Alcoholics Anonymous is ultimately always my higher power. I mean, when I get in dark places through long-term sobriety, which I've been in, um, I got to a place a couple of years ago where I just thought, man, y'all are all just saying all this stuff to make yourselves feel better. There's not a God. And, um, you know, I went to a really dark place and, and, but what I did is I always stayed in contact with a sponsor. I stayed accountable. I talked about that stuff that was going on and, um, and it was a newcomer that, that brought me back to, to praying on a regular basis when, when I struggled, you know, so lots of experience with, uh, different paths and exploring (laughs) different things and going to sweat lodges, me and Wayne, we've been in some lodges before together. Always, always love that. We He's have. shared some books with me and um, it's it's really important for me to always remain open. And I've gone to some Buddhist meetings and, um, you know, participated and that was a really awesome, cool experience um, as well, you know, and I, I feel like my belief really when I think about it today is just as basic as it was when I first got here is just knowing that I'm not God is the most important for me to thing for me to know is that there's something bigger than myself out there. Thanks, Jen. They're cutting grass outside my window right now. It is extremely loud. So I don't know if y'all can hear that or not. Not really. I can't hear what you experienced with this. Well, when I arrived in Alcoholics Anonymous, which I think I've said this on this podcast several times, I was just so beat down. I was willing to take back my childhood faith, which was religious. And, um, you know, I 
by that point, everything that I didn't like about it, I think I I just didn't care. I'd forgotten. It was not at the forefront of my mind. Um, so I was willing to take back that childhood faith. And then while I was incarcerated, you know, I mean, church Christianity was very, very important to me. You know, I was able, I may not be able to go to an AA meeting. It could have been canceled. It could have been volunteers weren't able to get in. Um, but you know, I was able to attend a church service. And so I learned through the big book because that's all I had at the time that any way to connect to God was going to be good enough. I could see where religious people were right. I didn't have to go in there and poo-poo everything. Um, so it was very important to me to have that religious piece when I was early in sobriety. Um, you know, since then, similar to Jennifer, I've I've done a lot of things and I've genuinely had fun doing all of them. There are things that I've realized maybe are not for me. Um, but I've always tried to remain open-minded and at least give things a try. It, there are several things that I only went and participated in one time. And I'm like, this is not for me. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I also, you know, arrived at a point where I'd been sober for a little while and I really started thinking hard about my childhood faith. And, you know, I was raised like kind of half in an actual cult and then half um, <clears throat> in just another religion. And I really started thinking about like how I was raised and I really started to have some new resentments of this one of the churches that I was raised in. And you know, thank God for good sponsorship because I had a sponsor that was and still is not religious at all. And, um, you know, she's just like, Hey, it sounds like you have a really big resentment. So I think you should probably like seek out this pastor, see if you can talk to him and figure out what is going on here. And I did that. And, you know, he said, Susie, I'll let you know kind of what I was teaching at that time. I'm involved with a different non-denominational situation now. Uh, and I'll tell you what I believe now today. And I was able just to have a conversation with someone who also questioned their own beliefs. So it was pretty amazing that Alcoholics Anonymous taught me to be open-minded and be able to have a conversation with this man. Um, and just to be able to see him as one of God's children, whether or not we believed all of the same things didn't matter. I was able to have a lot of freedom from those resentments of one of the churches that I grew up in. Uh, that I do not participate in today, you know, but I was able to have that freedom. It didn't mean that I had to become a member and like, you know, go three times a week or anything like that. It was just to clean up that relationship and be able to be open-minded again about it. I love what you said about um, doubting and faith is one of my favorite old timers. He's just always say, Jennifer, you can't have faith without doubt. And you know, he was devout Catholic and very um, active and prayed a lot. And it was cool to hear that, that it's like, it's okay for me to have doubt. It's okay for me to get upset with God. It's okay for me to, you know, because I think like, I always constituted that as bad before, like, oh, well, you know, you're definitely in trouble now because you think or have these experiences and it's like, no, that's, that's really a very natural part of the process of belief is questioning and having doubt. Yeah. I, I think one of the great things 
about Alcoholics Anonymous is the freedom we give people to believe what they want to believe. And I mean, I, I was involved in a, a pretty radical, I wouldn't say radical, pretty conservative uh, religion when I got sober. It didn't work to keep, to keep <laughs> me sober, but um, I, I, I got a little bit back involved with that, but Prior to prior to actually doing that, I mean, when when I took the steps the first time, one of the greatest things that I heard was when God told me, "Hey, you can believe whatever you want to believe." And I I was at that point I was a little convinced that some of the stuff, you know, my brother was telling me about this religion, uh, it 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 kind of scares you, you know, to, to not believe that based on some of their teachings and but keeping an open mind and being able to just kind of lay all that stuff aside and kind of start having my own, you know, my own experience and my own belief was, it was very helpful to me. And it just kind of opened the door because I knew I couldn't believe completely what, what those folks were believing. And, um, but what happened to me, I, you made me think about this. I would go to meetings and I'd hear somebody share. Now I'm sober, you know, three or four months. I'm like, man, I got to believe like he does. And then I'd go to another meeting and I'd hear somebody else share. And I'm like, Oh no, I need to believe like she does. And then and I went back and forth. Like, I mean, I was like, I would hear all these different kinds of shares and these different experiences. And it took me a while to come to my own belief. You know, um, and it has, it has changed a lot over the years. Um, and there have been times where I, I don't think I believed anything. It's all, all a bunch of hoodoo nonsense. <laughs> Um, I always go back to this one thing though, that prior to, prior to getting here, I couldn't stay sober. That's a fact. And ever since taking actions of Alcoholics Anonymous, regardless of how much doubt or fear or confusion was in my mind, in my life, I, I, there was always something that kept me sober. So whatever that is, I'm going to roll with it all the way to the end. Um, and I do get a little concerned now, though, that um, in a lot of meetings, it's like if you actually are, if you do belong to a religion or you do have like certain spiritual beliefs, it's almost like there's there's something wrong with you. And even in I don't know if if y'all have had this experience, but in a lot of meetings you go to nowadays that it's like become cool to be anti-religious and it's been cool to be like anti-God and it, it's almost like reverse shares where if you actually do believe you almost feel uncomfortable in some meetings. I'm not sure that that's in the spirit of the, of, of the topic. Well, I totally agree. And I, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself super religious today at all. Um, but it's still, I have sponsored women. I've tried to help women that come in and they hear you know, there are some phrases in AA people like to say, like, I'm a recovering and search a religion here. And sometimes they are members of, of that sect. And right. they're just like, oh, so, you know, I mean, I'm still a participating member of that faith. Now, luckily, I think that they were surrounded by this, the, the right people, whatever you want to say, people that are sober, that are recovered. And they were able to say, hey, that's just that one person's experience opinion thoughts about 
why they're here. Um, but it, it's just very bizarre to me. Like, it's okay to say, you know, spirit guide or certain things. But as soon as someone says Jesus in a meeting, like everyone after the meeting is like, oh my God, can you believe that they said <laughs> Jesus? You know, it's like just this crazy thing, which I think the first few years when I was so, maybe I was thinking the same thing. Um, I don't know, but it is pretty it is just interesting. Like our literature says so many times, have your own conception, see where religious people are right, you know, take what you can from whatever you know and whatever you can learn. So it just seems to me like a little backwards to then, um, I don't know, kind of like poo-poo on people that can find some relief there or can connect yeah. to a higher power there. Yeah. I feel like what kind of helped me because I mean, the hair on the back of my neck would stick up if he said the word Jesus when I was newly <laughs> sober. Like, oh no. Um, but what helped me, uh, well, I mean, a lot of my experience, of, of course, I mean, I converted to the Catholic Church. So, <laughs> that, you know, but um, what helped me a lot, you know, they, uh, when I first got sober, they said, listen to the similarities, not the differences, you know? And so I learned this concept that I take what, what, what fits and what works for me. And I just leave the rest. I don't have to be judgmental about it. I don't have to, you know, think someone else is stupid because they think certain things. I mean, believe me, I've heard all kinds of things in Alcoholics Anonymous ranging from every topic. Um, that I've had thoughts about, but that it's helped me to look at people who, you know, that I would kind of normally look at and go, eh, they're a little fanatical or they're a little bit like super, you know, over the top religious or something, but to appreciate and respect the devoutness that they have and, that's not what mine looks like. Cause I just haven't ever had that experience. I mean, I've gone to every church in America trying to find, you know, I went to the Pentecostal <laughs> plane with snakes and I, I mean, I've, I've done it all right. Like I've my favorite. Gone, gone down all of these paths and, and, and that didn't fit for me, but oftentimes some of the things that made me uncomfortable, like when they would say Jesus or they, what part of what made me uncomfortable in when I meditated and thought about that, when I would be in church with friends or something and people would be holding their hands up or, you know, different things. And I'm like, oh my God, it makes me so uncomfortable. Is that, but the reason it made me uncomfortable is because it's not my experience and learning to appreciate that that is their experience and it is a hundred percent real for them and meaningful and significant and to have respect for that definitiveness as to where my beliefs are very open roomy and not definitive because I don't understand it. I mean, when I call my sponsor and I say, you know, whatever problem I have, and she's like, well, did you pray about it? And I'm like, no, I've got 20 things here that we need to talk about to solve this problem. I'm not praying about it. Right. Like that's still my automatic kind of go-to. And I've been doing this for 31 years. And I know that when I pray and I do the things that life gets better, but I still don't want that to be my solution, you know, and I'm a highly competent person and I um, am self-reliant in a lot of ways. And some of the things that happened in childhood formed me to be that way. Um, 
but it can be my handicap if I stay in that rigid mind of thinking and that it's helped me so much to really appreciate and respect people's beliefs and that that's real for them. And that, man, I wish it was kind of like that for me rather than what my automatic response is, is to be uncomfortable, defensive and to defend my position. But that's my ego getting involved in a conversation that nobody's even involved in other than my mind. Right. And mm-hmm. being judgmental and shutting things down. And, you know, that's the thing I love about Alcoholics Anonymous is that all of the principles are about being inclusive, not exclusive. All the principles are about being open and that ideas and thoughts and words are, they may generate fear within me, but they don't actually harm me or others. And that if I can help just share that openness, that it's not going to hurt anybody else either. You know, like, I don't know. It's a really beautiful thing, you know, when you kind of break it down to that, Um but I, I feel like we're very uh, oftentimes, because I was also part of the discussion at the general service conference and developing these pamphlets, right? And, um, and you know, my initial thought was like, we don't need another pamphlet, you know, like this is ridiculous. But when I read the background information, it really made me realize like we're not, we're viewed as a religious organization often from courts and different places like that, but we're not in any way. Are we just because we pray doesn't mean that we're religious and that what we say and what we do is really important. Um, And I I actually started a whole bunch of controversies here in my area because of that, Um, because I think it's important that the message we convey to new people is always that it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be in a certain religion or, um, you know, and and I, I think part of it, too, is that slowly, I think agnostic and atheist are more... um, accepted somewhat then I think at one point we're very much not accepted. And so I, you know, I think it goes into that pendulum swing of, of finding some balance that doesn't matter what the, which way it goes, it doesn't need to be on this extreme, you know, but this place where everybody has space to think and believe however they want. It's so interesting one of my favorite people in AA, I just like, like the guy I've known him for years. And, uh, he always, you know, when he would share, he'd say, I'm an atheist and blah, but he was like, it opened my mind. Right. Because he was so bubbly and fun. And he was just like, so great. I like this guy so much, but as I've gotten to know him better and better over the years, I just look at him and I'm like, dude, you believe in something, you know, like maybe you're an agnostic and he'll be like, ah, maybe, I don't know. Because he's been sober for quite some time. And I'm just like, listen, you believe in something. The way you talk to me, like, I just, I hear a power greater than you all the time. Everything that you say and talk about, it's not of you. So it's very interesting just to have people in my life like that as well, who I'm like, you know, and I know him well enough now where I'm like, dude, like, come on, you're agnostic. Okay. I don't like you're not atheist anymore. Like you can't be, you're just really holding on to it. And he's like, ah, you're probably right. And just moves along. Um, 
but it same is thing like, happened to me. One of so my closest fun. friends is she's, I mean, I'm an atheist. And it's like, when I talk to her, I'm like, I mean, we talk it usually about once a week. We used to talk every day. I mean, she's just, and she's one of my favorite people. She's one of the funniest people I know. I mean, she's just a great spirited human being. And, um, and, and she is very anti-religious. Um, but she believes in something like she believes in Alcoholics Anonymous. She believes in our principles, you know, and I, I think that's really the only thing that's needed. And I was very judgmental about that as well. I kind of, you know, had that same experience, but getting to know somebody who thinks just totally in this different way. And I'm like, man, eh, she's got some good points, you know, like some of the things that, you know, in our deep conversations, I'm like, that's a good point. You know, like she's right in that, like, you know, so it's opened my mind to just, again, just be bigger, roomy, inclusive. And which is the thing that I love, you know, so many different people. And yeah. You think spirituality is necessary to recover from a hopeless condition of mind and body? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think some, you know, I think that, you know, part of, I believe what happens when I, when I pray, when I make space and time is that I open my spirit up to what's out there. Now what's out there. I don't know any better today than what I did when I came in. Right. Like I've had lots of different experiences, but I can't define that. And really personally, I feel like nobody I mean, people may say like, yeah. oh, this is what's going to happen or this is, you know, what God thinks or I just don't think we know any of that. And I think that I've had a lot of spiritual experiences, but the most significant is that spiritual awakening that happens because what happens in that process is my heart's changed. And, and I believe that in order for my heart to change, that my spirit has to be open and I, that's what I believe happens. And I believe that that's spiritual, you know, I mean, we can say that, like, I don't believe in God or whatever, but like, there is something significant that happens to the spirit. And I think that when our spirit shifts and changes, that's, that's spirituality, yep. whether we want to call it spirituality or not. I just think that our spirit changes. And if our spirit changes who and what I am, when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous is not who and what I am today. And that is spirituality. What do you think, Jay Wayne? That comes about by taking simple actions, regardless of what you think, Mm -hmm. feel, or believe. hundred percent. Take those actions of the steps that your spirit is going to be awakened. Unless you, I guess, unless you just, I don't know, didn't do it right or something, but uh, uh, but I think that's that's the purpose of it. So is there a difference between a spiritual experience and a spiritual awakening? I believe so. 100%. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I believe spiritual experiences happen, you know, all the time. But I think the awakening happens over a period of time because I believe that that's when the transformation occurs of my spirit and my heart. And, and I believe that happens as a, as a result of action that's doing a lot of work I don't want to do. And the steps to me are what um, make that awakening occur. I think a, a spiritual experience, I can walk outside and see a 
a bird and have a spiritual experience by that connection or seeing that or, you know, be on the way to the liquor store and somebody from AA is there buying a, a gift for a client or something. And then it's like, oh, I don't take a drink because I'm able to connect it like that to me is like a spiritual experience. But the awakening occurs to me through the process of the steps and and writing the wrongs in my life. And, you know, when I want to slash somebody's tires, not slash their tires, but, you know, send up a prayer for them to have the day they deserve. Right. Like, um, you know, there's just a difference, or, or I think. And huh? pray for them to get a flat tire while they're driving instead of you. Doing. Pray for them to have the day they deserve. I love that because, you know, if you just say, I hope you have the day you deserve. I mean, if somebody's nasty to you, it's just a great response. And, you know, right. Jerry, do you think there's a difference? Well, I wouldn't argue it, but I mean, I guess there is. I mean, if I guess if you look the word experience up and maybe I'm talking myself out of it and the word awakening, maybe they are different. But um, I do know that they changed the word in the step. It used to say spiritual experience. Little little trivia fact for you two there. Um, because people thought that there was a difference. So I I don't know. I know that something's happened to me spiritually. I'm different than I used to be. My mind and my body uh, have changed. Um, so I do I do believe that's the purpose of the steps is to have a spiritual awakening so that we can, and to remove the obsession to drink. What about you, Shank? I don't know. I I just know that in my defiant uh, personality, I guess, I had a sponsor at one point that really wanted to me to just pinpoint and do some writing on the difference and when my spiritual experience happened and when my awakening happened. And personally, for me, I just can't think too much about some of this stuff because I'll just you know, I'll come up, I'll rewrite the big book, you know, I'll know what's best or something. So for me personally, I just wasn't too into that. And I feel like for me, I did have like a white light experience very early on in Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I, I was changed from that day. And that was a couple of weeks in. So, you know, for me, I think it was kind of, could I dig more into it? Probably. Uh, when I started doing that, I just, it, it was not good for me to, to get too intellectual right. about what's the difference and why. Cause I could already see myself sponsoring women and being like, okay, but you know, like just getting really crazy about it and getting really set in my way about whatever that, that is. Uh, that's one way for me to become closed-minded is to really do a lot of deep research on something that... For me, just it wasn't that crucial. It was not that important. Yeah. I know I've that been... I've had I know that I've had them. And I'm still sober today and that I continue to seek a relationship with a higher power is what I for sure know. Yeah. I've been to meetings where they argue over people will argue over the difference between a spiritual experience and a spiritual awakening. I love to argue. It, it's it's always, really spiritual. It's, <laughs> uh, it's very spiritual. It's kind of like uh, the Arguing over whether you recovered or recovering. I mean, who yeah. oh, God, I can't. You know, like, People just like I mean, to I've, argue. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've, got, 
we got some ideas and all that, but I'm not going to argue in a meeting with somebody. I mean, my goodness. Children of chaos. He'll do it privately. Children. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you why you're wrong in private. Tell you, that's right. <laughs> hey, one thing's for certain. There are many paths to spirituality in Alcoholics yes. Anonymous, which is a good thing. There's, it's, a, it's one of the great freedoms that we have in AA. Um, I've always thought that that idea and the idea of, of the third tradition of the only requirement is desire to stop drinking is really why we're one of the reasons we're so successful because we are, we are pretty inclusive to people, try to help people. So let's move to meeting shrapnel, Shank. What do you think? All right. Jindy, you ready? I'm ready. All right, Jindy. Don't hold back. What's the first one? Meeting shrapnel number one. I can't. He can. I'll let him. (laughs) 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 What do you think? Where does this stuff come from? You've heard Listen, of this one, Jindy? Oh yeah, I've heard. I've heard this. Um, I, you know, this is the one I struggle with the most. I mean, I can't. Like, that's just not in my vocabulary. I mean, I'm a wake up, I can every day type of person. You know, I got a plan. We got to make it happen. I think I'll let him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I look. I think that when we come, when I came in, simple little things like that were really important for me to to focus on. I, I, I don't feel that little slogans and sayings and stuff like that they their their relevance to me today is minimal. I think in the beginning it was really important because my brain was fried and I just couldn't. You know, I needed some some simple stuff to kind of grasp onto. Um, but I think that stuff today for me is insignificant. It really comes back to just doing certain actions. And, you know, I do those actions, which I think is, you know, a, a submissive thing. It's a turning things over, which, I, you know, I can, he can. I think I'll let him, which, you know, that sort of thing. But... I don't. I just don't view it in the same way that I did when I first came in. Jay Wayne. Oh, this one's just dumb. I. I mean, I'll just cut <laughs> right to it. <laughs> I mean, it. It. It is, and if you. I mean, if you believe some of the stuff we just said, then why would a statement like this be relevant? I can't, he can't, I'll let him. Well, who is him? That's the, that's the God that you don't have to believe in. I mean, in my prison big book, I'll have, you know, that I have, I can't, God can, I think I'll let him, um, next to the A, B and C and how it works. Okay. So, uh, I don't know who told me that. It must have been one of the women who were bringing the meeting in. Okay. But um, so my understanding has always kind of been like, I don't step one, two, and three. 
I can't. God can. I'll let him. It's definitely, uh, yeah. I guess if you were new and you were trying to connect to something, I mean, I could see how this was. I don't remember writing that, you know? So, but I know it, for sure it is in there. And I'm positive come on. that I was telling other people to write that in their books as well. A hundred percent. You said this the other night at the home group. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Maybe, who knows? No, you didn't. I can't. He can. I'll let him. I don't know. I don't remember it like making an impact, but it is in there because I'll pull that thing out, you know, if I'm doing something at home. It's like my home big book. And I was like, wow, I have no idea where that came from. It's definitely a process of surrender. I mean, it does kind of describe just kind of stopping controlling stuff, but I don't know. I don't, I think it's, I'd scrap it. Scrap it. Scrap Jennifer, it. It's out of here. Look, I don't think there's any wrong way to get better. You know what I mean? If it's going to keep you not picking up a drink one day, come on. But, I mean, for me, I I just, I, I find many of our... Um, don't get soft on us. You got to... <laughs> I, I, I just find many of our slow, you know, meeting makers make it. And all, I mean, all of these things that we say is just not what my practical experience has been. And I think I surrender is important, but, you know. I think you said it, scrap before I asked you. Scrap it. Scrap Jake, it. what do you think? Scrap it. out of here what's next okay shrapnel number two but for the grace of god go i (laughs) (laughs) that one's always brought up a lot of um because, you know, then I, I just go down the rabbit hole, right? And then I'm like, well, because I just don't believe that God's up there going, oh, Jennifer gets to get sober because she's going to be more effective in helping people. But this poor guy over here, he's out. Like, I, I just don't, I don't, that's just not what my belief system is. And to me, it it creates this, I mean, I understand the content of what they're, you know, the point is, but. Um, I, I just think that I have to do certain actions in recovery in order to keep my seat here at 31 years sober at 10 days sober. There's certain actions that I need to do. And I don't necessarily, when I think of grace, that's not what I think of. When I think of grace, I think of when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I cursed. I was an unlovely creature. And what those members extended to me was grace because they didn't beat me up. They didn't kick me out. Um, It was undeserving. I mean, in most places I would have been kicked out in most places I would have, you know. Yeah. I mean, potentially some of the things I did was illegal, right? Like in, in an Alcoholics Anonymous that was extended this grace to be wrong. I was extended this grace to think however I thought, act however I, I, I did at the time. I mean, as long as it's not, you know, harmful in terms of, of you know, whatever. But um, 
and 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 that grace has been what has helped me when I get resentful or when I get upset because somebody's not behaving the way that I think that they should. I think about that grace that was extended to me. And um, I just don't believe in this thing that's up in the sky that's like, oh, that was the last straw. You're out. Like, and to me, the the content of this is suggested of that. So. Yeah. We actually had a request from Tammy Z to cover this one. So, Tammy, thanks for uh, sending it. Um. It kind of reminds me of the couple of the others that we've done. The some are sicker than others, and um, uh, there may be the, somewhere this can be used, but it is definitely not in Alcoholics Anonymous because the <laughs> way it is always used is like, oh, that person relapsed. Oh, thank God it wasn't me. There for the grace of God, go out. Or like that person went to prison, or that person did cr- smoked crack, or like whatever the thing is. It always feels to me like sitting on the spiritual mountaintop like pointing down at people being like oh that could have been me but it wasn't like it's just so bizarre to me yeah it's like god's shown favor to others over others or just like some puppet master however i want you to listen to this right here from the book Mm -hmm. alcoholics Mm -hmm. anonymous on page 24 and page 25 listen to this These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. Yeah, but that's talking just about blanket alcoholism. It's not talking about the consequences of it. Okay. Right? That's talking about alcoholism. I knew you were going to bring that up. And it's it's referencing a solution as well. Mm-hmm. Listen, Which I will is tell a solution you solution of action. My okay. um, <laughs> she wasn't my bunk mate, but she was on a top bunk next to me when I was incarcerated, and um, she was a. It doesn't matter. Okay, so but we pretty much had the same crimes, but the outcome of hers were worse. Like the pe- the people that she harmed did die, and I can tell you right now that there is not a chance. And hell, I would have said some crap like that to her. You know, like, well, that could have been me, but it wasn't. So I'm going to get out like five years sooner than you. It just like doesn't make sense in my head. Like I could never say that to someone and feel okay or feel like that's like an okay thing to do. It just feels very much out of ego or something to me. Yeah, That's probably because people have said it to me so many times. Some have to die for others to live, Shank. Ugh, also hate it. I think we scrapped that one a few weeks ago. So Hey, that's my personal experience. Don't be scrapping that. I like that one. <laughs> Jindy, come on. You gotta start listing and send us some emails, Jindy. We're not gonna we're not gonna revisit that one today. So but for the grace of God go I. I think we should scrap it. Scrap it. Scrap it. It's out of here. All right. All right. Next. And meeting shrapnel number three. Whoever woke up the earliest today has been sober the longest. <laughs> Listen, I love that. I think every new person loves that. That's the, uh, If you have under a year sobriety, that's your favorite saying. <laughs> well, I got a 
five. What time did y'all get up? Not five. Four thirty. Yeah, probably up at four thirty. I knew it. Yep, so I guess I've been sober the longest, huh? Damn. <laughs> Listen. We'll give it to you. Listen, Linda. <laughs> actually had never heard this until the last few years. Shank, where have you been? What? I don't know, but I had never heard this until the last few years. What? Oh my. Oh my goodness. I heard that I think in my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous I ever went. Probably. (laughs) I've been hearing it forever. Because I remember old Ken, he would always say, time did you wake up this morning? And I'd tell him, and he'd be like, you've been sober longer than me. Every, every meeting. Every you probably meeting. liked that, didn't you? I did. I loved it. That's why yeah. I said new people, they love it. You know, it's like it's like one of those things we do in AA to build up the new person. <laughs> like, listen, and I've known people with 35 years old or 35 years sober. They might have woke up at 430 in the morning. But later on that afternoon, you know, they shot themselves with a shotgun. Because the the pain of alcoholism was killing them, you know, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why I say scrap that one. Because I just don't think that um, waking up and not picking up a drink constitutes what I believe today sobriety is. Because sobriety really is about learning to practice principles and live out the the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, in the beginning. Again, it was about not taking that first drink. That's why new people love that, right? Like, it, that was important for me. I mean, it made me feel like, wow, okay, like, it's not, <laughs> and there's no pressure here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just got to wake up early in the morning, you know what I mean? Like, That's right. And, and so I, I think, you know, I think that um, there's a lot of mixed ways to look at that. But I think for the new people, it's... It takes that pressure off and and um, that no one's better than anybody in AA based upon how long they've been sober. But in the same context, I think that uh, it gives this message that, you know, you just wake up early and, you know, you've been sober longer than everybody else. And I, I don't believe that that in any way is true. Yeah, it's not true. I'd like to know who came up with this one. Somebody with somebody with about twelve hours sober. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Oh. I remember man. one of my old guys he used to say <laughs> anytime anybody would say something like that, he was like, They haven't been sober very long. <laughs> like, That's right. <laughs> Scrap it. Scrap it. Scrap it is out of here. We're three for three out of here. All right. <laughs> yep. Jennifer, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Such a pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your experience. And remember, there are many paths of spirituality, but if you want to recover and have a spiritual awakening and work those 12 steps, you can become free. Freedom. 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 Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, 
but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.